I was working as a physician in India. I realized that as much as I love, you know, seeing my patients, there was something inside me which kept telling me there's more to life, there's more to life. And I wanted to explore what else is outside of medicine for me. So I didn't have many options at that time in India. So I decided to, you know, explore some programs here. So that shift, even though it was great for me, I think every shift comes with a price. <laughs> at that time, it feels like, you know, the, I'm paying a huge price, but it's only afterwards you realize that it was worth it. So, you know, leaving everything and coming here with just, and this is a typical story, I guess every immigrant can resonate with is that you come with two suitcases and then you end up, you know, building your home, your community and all of that. <laughs> What's your internal success story? You know, the deep down beliefs you have about how big your life really can be. Is your internal story a big story? Or is it filled with fear and self-sabotage that keeps you playing small? When you make the decision to play bigger, you're also influencing everyone around you. Playing bigger requires a shift. The shift is what happens when you let go of the self-limiting beliefs that keep you from stepping into your authentic, powerful, beautiful self. It's a shift from the probabilities into the possibilities of your big, amazing life. My favorite conversations are when I get to hear how people shift into playing bigger. This podcast is your invitation to listen to others that have made the shift and also serve as a catalyst to explore the shift needed for you to play bigger. And no, I'm sitting right here cheering you on. Hey there, I'm Tracy Spears, speaker, author, coach, founder of Exceptional Leaders Lab, and head cheerleader for anyone wanting to play bigger. I am so excited about today's episode as my guest has definitely made a few shifts out loud, which is actually how I met her. Our guest this week is Mernalini Garb. Let me tell you a little bit about Mernalini. When I think about just this, this introduction, it's the most unique introduction. So I'm going to give it to you now. She is America's only career coach for South Asian professional women. She's a best-selling author, multiple-time career changer. Dr. Garb has worked as a physician, a leadership coach, a business professor in world-renowned organizations. She's had to maneuver her entire career without a mentor that looks like her or had experiences similar to hers. Dr. Garb has become the, the mentor to South Asian professionals to help them master their career so they can thrive as immigrants and achieve the ultimate success they didn't even know was possible for them. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. So am I. Thanks for having me, Tracy. You are so welcome. Let's tell everybody how we met. Do you, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell them my my version of it first, if you don't mind. Can I go first? Yeah, absolutely. Go for I it. Okay, good. So I had Tanya Zirconi, the friend of, of mine from the, the past, actually sent me a LinkedIn message, you have to know, Mernalini. And I was like, what? And she's like, you have to know. And so I started looking at your story and I immediately was was grabbed by your story. So that's how we actually met. I reached out and typically you reach out, somebody doesn't respond. You responded. We were on the phone pretty quickly. So thank you for all of that. But should we just start and dive in with what it is that happened that has created so much buzz for you right now? <laughs> well, in short, I shaved my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
and for a lot of people you know it might just seem like oh you know what's the big deal or you know some people have to shave their head because they're going through some illness and whatnot so you know what a lot of people think what is so courageous about shaving my head but it meant a lot to me and it was not you know a, like i woke up one day and decided i'm going to shave my head off i was it was very deliberate and i did not realize this it was that deliberate and it was so important for me i feel like it just has been a process so i'm 48 now and i have had a head full of hair for all these years and i just came to this point where i just needed to get rid of them <laughs> so you're this incredibly accomplished woman and we're talking about shaving your hair like does it does that frustrate you that that's the what has gotten all the attention when i look at the body of work that you've done yeah. and yeah. i was reading your bio and kind of digging in a bit cuz there's a, and we're going to talk about all of that too but yeah the lead line for you is you shave your head and that's what connects with everyone a little yeah. bit you know differently than all of the amazing work you've been doing how does that feel to you I realize so even though it is you know that simple act of shaving my head crazy what I'm realizing is that the message behind that is what resonated with people I mean I posted this story in you know one of the biggest facebook groups pantsuit majority and I have like 20000 likes and I don't know 2000 3000 comments on that and I did not expect that and I realized that shaving my head is a symbolism for something much more deep you know as i was thinking about what i'm going to share on this podcast a memory came to me and so i'm from india and i don't know tracy how much you know about it but in india there is a lot of colorism and thanks to you know colonialism everybody worships you know fair skin in india i mean there is a billion i don't know maybe a trillion dollar industry that sells fairness creams and in the past they targeted only women but unfortunately now you know they realize that even men could be exploited <laughs> so they are now selling fairness creams to men only you know kind of a product but but the reason i'm sharing this is the the growing up in india you know i experienced a lot of discrimination right i mean one would be surprised right living in your own country how can you be discriminated but i did feel that because i wasn't as fair and it it is so interesting that when i came to the us everybody complimented me oh i love your tan skin and i'm like wow what what a what a difference but anyway going going back to my story so relatives you know they're very judgmental and i don't blame them because the culture and the society it's such that you know fairness is just you know the symbol of beauty So I had this cousin you know who would come to my house and say things like oh you look so dark. There was one time you know I came came to the US after many years and one of my aunts the first thing she had to say to me was oh you you, you look so dark and it was summer right? <laughs> but 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 the thing was when I was little and this cousin said that to me my mom i mean you know i i felt really bad and then then i went to my mom and she hugged me and then she told me the story of ugly duck of the ugly duckling and i felt warm and fuzzy listening to that story but as i grew older 
I realized that I did not need that warm and fuzzy story. What I needed for my mom is to stand up for me and tell my cousin, this is not allowed in my house. So I realized that my mom did not stand up for me. And as I, you know, grew up, I started working. My bosses did not stand up for me. So I came to this conclusion that nobody is going to stand up for me. So I have to find my voice. And there are all these people, right, giving us messages, beauty magazines. You know, I used to work in business school. Then they have those restrictions around what clothes should you wear, what you shouldn't wear. I just felt like, but what is it that I want for myself? And this is a process, right? I've been thinking about all these things. And a few weeks ago, while I was meditating, it just dawned upon me. What if I did not listen to other people's voice? What if, if I just followed my voice and explored who I am? That's what led to shaving my head. Mm. And as soon as I did that, I felt this freedom that I had never felt before. And I didn't care what people think about me, how I look, you know, how I'm defined. And it was just so freeing. So it was, you know, years of trying to find myself, trying to find my voice, being myself. I think that's the journey I think I've started living now. Mm. Oh, I love that story. No, I didn't know a lot of that, and nor did I understand about your culture. That's that. Yeah, I did not know that. Thank you for telling, I'm going to say us, the audience, that too. Yeah. Well, I want to, it did hit a nerve for sure. For all the reasons you just mentioned, I think that that struggle of, you know, what's beautiful, what, you know, what, what is my, you know, my own feeling about that. And I do think that the hair is symbolic because it's weird. And I'm in the, I am the same. I, I have said to people many times, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to shave my head. Like it's some rite of passage in some way. Yeah, I haven't actually done it. But I is that what you're finding that everybody wants to do it, but just very few people actually do it? Is that what you think why it landed? In, or 100%. 100%. Yeah, there are so many things that hold them back. And shaving their head is, you know, just one thing. But a lot of other things, right? They want to say something. They want to speak up, but they can't because they don't want to ruffle any feathers, they don't want to hurt anybody, but then they continue to feel that resentment within. Yeah. And, and, and this is something, and of course, you know, shaving head, shaving their head, that is one of the biggest things. Like everybody wants to do that, but they, you know, cannot do it because we, I think we are all so much programmed and conditioned by all the messages we receive from outside. So it is hard for us to really honor ourselves and imagine ourselves if we didn't have all these shackles around us. And it's really hard to break out of those. Listen, I am, I'm, you know, I'm looking and watching you. I know the the audience, you'll have to look in the show notes and go find Merlani because you'll definitely want to see the before and after. And, And I don't want to reduce this, this podcast to this being just about that, yeah, the symbolism in that. So I'm going to ask you one more follow-up question to it. And then we're going to get on to the other amazing work that you've been doing. I did read that you did not go to your normal hairdresser. Tell the audience, 
just a little bit about that. And then we'll get on with the super important things about how you're helping women fast track their promotion. I'm so glad you asked that. Okay. Listen, it was not easy for me. <laughs> I mean, coming to that conclusion that I want to do this, that was one thing. But then to actually make it happen, you know, that was just another battle. I felt I had to fight with myself. And I did not give myself time in the morning when I woke up to even have breakfast because I thought if I sat and started eating, you know, I'll have that, you know, dopamine, all these nice, you know, hormones in my body and feeling great, all these chemicals. And I will just feel like, oh, you know what? No, I'm feeling good. So I did not even have breakfast. I decided to go to a barber shop because I know if I went to my usual hairstylist, She's going to say things like, oh, are you sure? No, your hair looks so beautiful. Don't do that. And I did not want to listen to anybody <laughs> but to myself. So I ended up going to this barber shop. And I, the first thing I told him, don't talk me out of it. <laughs> and then, you know, he was really kind and gentle. And he encouraged me and he said, you're going to rock that look. And I really wasn't sure. In my mind, I was thinking, I don't care at this point. <laughs> Well, he was right. He was right. You are rocking that look. Oh, what has been you. the feedback from your close friends or 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 family? Anybody? Every what what's everybody saying to you? Oh, everybody was very supportive. I think somewhere each one of us, right, wants to live our life free, freely, and we are just not able to. So I think when they saw me, they kind of felt some kind of a relief. And I feel that they got that permission that they too can do whatever they want to do in their lives. So everybody was supportive. There were some friends, you know, who reached out, are you okay? You know, I hope health wise, everything is good. So that was, you know, I, you know, I like that caring as well, but I think most of them, they, they resonated with this because they were able to let something within them go. Or, you know, they realize that they too can do it. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing a little bit about that. I want to I change channels here and talk about some of the other work that you have done. The name of the podcast is Shift Out Loud, obviously. Yeah. And it's about when you look back, those shifts that you made. We just talked about a big shift out loud. I think it, it fits the, the definition of that. Everybody actually experienced that with you. But there's been a few other shifts as I read a little bit more about you. So let's go back and talk a bit about that. One of the shifts would be moving to the States. When did mm -hmm. you actually come to the United States? Wow, it's been a while. I came here in 2022. So almost 20. 21 years now. Okay. Yeah. So, so in the year 2000, you, 2001. 2001. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 2001. You've only been here a year? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 2001. Yes. I, so I was working as a physician in India and uh, I realized that as much as I love, you know, seeing my patients, there was something inside me which kept telling me there's more to life, there's more to life. And I wanted to explore what else is outside of medicine for me. So I didn't have many options at that time in India. So I decided to, you know, explore some programs here and got my, you know, came here to do my master's in health administration. And it, it wasn't well received either. 
because you know i think my dad wanted me to be you know well settled doctor have her own hospital <laughs> in the city where we live so that shift even though it was great for me you know it, i think every shift comes with a price <laughs> and at that time it feels like you know the, i'm paying a huge price but it's only afterwards you realize that it was worth it so you know leaving everything and coming here with just and this is a typical story i guess every immigrant can resonate with is that you come with two suitcases and then you end up you know building your home your community and all of that <laughs> you have family here that when you moved here that you went to did you give me a bit about and what city did you decide to settle in So I came to Washington DC that's where the this that's where school was I went to the George Washington University and no I did not have any family members but I knew a friend with whom I stayed for a little bit but yeah I knew nothing about the US so <laughs> it was it was an interesting journey I mean simple things like even though my education was in English I didn't understand what people were speaking here So for example right while walking past the car, you know walking past my classmates in the corridors they would say what's up and i would like literally look up what's up i mean ceiling sky like i don't know <laughs> so simple things but i mean i can laugh about it now but i i felt stupid honestly i felt stupid like i don't know these simple things So there was so much learning, so much, you know, acclimatization that I had to go through and and, and feel, you know, comfortable in my skin and and yeah, a lot. And I also felt, wow, I need to improve my English and I even went to like when I moved to Boston, I went to Boston Language Institute to work on my accent and the teachers telling me there's no problem with your English. And and it's like, oh, yeah, it it's like it was just a journey of growth and it was self acceptance really self acceptance and not judge myself for how i speak how i look so more than other people it was my own judgment i think that was holding me back from being myself i think it's hard i i mean listen the 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 courage that it takes to leave your country to come here. I mean, I I just am I'm in awe of anybody that does that because that is I don't know. I don't know that I could do it. I just think you're so brave on so many levels. I think that's another indication of that. As you're when you do come here, how did your family handle that? Did they come visit you or they because your culture is a little bit more connected to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you know, this is what you must do. You know, there's not as much probably freedom and from yeah. and I'm speaking as a someone that does not know that for sure, but an assumption I'm making a bias I have is that true? Initially not. Eventually, you know, they turned around and there's there's a back story also maybe for another time but so a lot of people do not know but I'm a lesbian so that did not go very well with my family. <laughs> so there was that boycotting and you know all of that. So no, they were not happy uh, about me coming here. Well, coming here and then, you know, I was in an arranged marriage and it it was just so complicated. I think it was it was very hard for my family to deal with it and again you know as as i reflect upon it i don't blame it because they do not see such things openly talked about openly done in india 
So I think they went to that place of shame, right? Sure. There's something wrong with my daughter. You know, there's something wrong with me. I did not raise her very well or whatever it was. But eventually, you know, they turned around, adopted our son. You know, that's when they came on his adoption day. And now, you know, we are in a place where it's all good. We don't know what's the next thing for her. Let's just accept her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm laughing with you for sure. Not at you. I, you and I, do, you don't know my, so my parents disowned me when they found out I was gay. Uh, so it, that's not just an India thing for sure. Yeah. It, it, and the shame and all the things, same yeah. similar reasons yet. I want to ask you a question about that, but you were, yeah, so you said you were in an arranged marriage. Yeah. Was that in India or yeah. did? In India. Okay. In India. Yeah. All right. So interesting. I'm fascinated by that whole process. So did you know going into that, that that was not going to be sustainable for you? Or did you go into that? You know, that's just what we do in our country. And then you figured it out. I'm curious. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I just felt I didn't have a choice. And even though I knew I was also very doubtful about that because I did not see any role model and I just felt there's something wrong with me and maybe marriage is the fix for whatever I was feeling, you know, the attraction toward other women. So honestly, I, I just felt helpless. I just felt like, you know, this is how it is going to be and that that's how it happened. And then after coming to the US and I think universe always has your back. You know, universe will always show you the right path if we are, you know, willing to keep our eyes and ears open. I started working as a research assistant for a professor and she is a lesbian. <laughs> so I couldn't help but notice all the pictures in her office. And, you know, she told me about her story and I'm like, ah, so this actually exists. <laughs> And then I had to be really honest with me. And then I asked, you know, my ex-husband, you know, for a divorce. And that was, that did not go very well. <laughs> it was not a great divorce, but I am just happy. You know, like I say, there's always a price to pay. But if we are on the path that serves our highest good and we are aligned with our purpose, I think every price that we pay is just worth it. You have had a lot of shifts, sister, for sure. You said you said something though that I think is profound, and yet you—it's just how you are. I can already tell, but just being aligned with a higher purpose. So, tell me a bit about that for you. You've mentioned meditating a couple of times. Mm -hmm. What's your process to get connected to what that purpose is? Yeah, no, that's that. That really is a good question, and I think it is this alignment that I've been looking for alignment and fulfillment. And that's why, you know, if you look at, at my resume, right, I'm a physician and I became a leadership coach. Then I was a business professor. Then I became a career coach. So it's this alignment that I've been looking for all my life. And when I was working as a physician, yes, I loved a lot of it, but I realized there was a theme in my life in all these career switches. There was a theme that I love helping people know their value. Mm. So even when I had patients in my clinic, my goal was to actually teach them. And, and you know, the, the neighborhood where my clinic was, it was a low socioeconomic area and people just give up on, on them, right? But I, any patient that came in my clinic, 
I would actually sit with them. I would draw the picture of a heart and draw the aorta and tell them what hypertension or high blood pressure actually is. And even though they were not educated, they understood that. And then I told them, hey, you know what? I can either write your prescription or you can go for a walk every morning. <laughs> and of course, you know, I would do the make sure that those are the right patients for that. And a lot of women started choosing walking every morning. And I just realized that this is probably for the first time they are giving themselves that importance that, wow, I matter, I value, I can actually take care of myself. Then when I came to the U.S., when I started working as a leadership coach, I saw that aha moment, the light bulbs going off as I was helping people shine as leaders, you know, as managers, whether, you know, it's a janitor whether it's someone who works in the lab, whether it's a nurse, physician, even C-suite. I just felt that as soon as they learned about what is possible for them, I could see that, you know, that, that aha moment, that confidence getting built. And again, I, I enjoyed that, but I felt there was something more. <laughs> and when I started working as a business professor, I had women, right? I, I was teaching in the advanced master's, you know, business degree programs. And even after graduating from there, they felt that I need, you know, some leadership training. And I just realized that there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect because this program was designed for them to own their leadership. And they were, they were missing the point. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that this is how I have felt as well, right? I'm switching careers, I'm doing all these things, and yet I'm not fulfilled, and yet I'm not feeling confident. And that's when I started thinking about how do I help these women to really own up their power. And ultimately, when I became a career coach, everything feel, felt aligned. So all the career switches that I did, it was just universe kind of, you know, guiding me because I was aware I, I'm unhappy. I did not just sit with it. You know, this is how my life is going to be nine to five. And I, I did not submit to that. So I was aware and I was looking for signs. So I felt like I just got, you know, directed in the right direction. You were looking for signs. That's interesting. I love that. The, I think a lot of people, you say it casually as if it is a way, is a knowing. And I, cause mm -hmm. I know you have that knowing, I can tell. And yet there are a lot of people that I don't think really do ask that question, you know, or, or think about the possibilities. They kind of live in the probabilities of their life. Mm -hmm. And someone like you moving about the world, thinking about the possibilities, mm -hmm. you see doors that are open, right? That, that people don't see flying open. You're able to, I think, you know, co-create the, you know, whatever is next when you're, when you stay curious and you stay connected to what it is that you really want. So I, I just want to say to you, you're saying that very casually. I think that's, that's a practice. I think a lot mm. of people aren't as, as good at that. What is your, what is your practice? Do you have a spiritual practice that you operate with? I, I will share a simple thing. When we think of science, we just feel like, one day we are going to see this blue light coming from somewhere. <laughs> and that's the sign. Or we are going to see this beautiful rainbow and whatnot. Those are signs also. But here, here is what I will say. Make it easy for everybody. 
whatever obstacles are there in our lives are the signs so if you are unhappy just sit with that unhappiness and ask yourself why am i unhappy what is going on where where am i not aligned what is missing you know what's my path what's my purpose and you know throughout in in this journey i was you know diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and doctors had given up on me that was like 6 7 years ago and i thought my life's all gone and i thought you know my life is now about to end but again i realized that there's something in there it's telling me that the path that i am on is not the right path and that's why universe i feel that universe first tries to nudge you right it starts with oh unhappiness migraines <laughs> body aches and then we don't listen to it and then we have this big illness it's like all right <laughs> the nudge is not working let me just slap her right <laughs> and bring her to her senses so i think that illness really opened my eyes i was just not able to get out of the bed one day i came back from school when i was teaching as a business professor and that's when things changed and that's when i decided i'm leaving my job i know there's something else for me i didn't know the answer but i had the courage to say that i'm going to pause and see what's in there for me and doctor told me that in the you know next 3 or 4 years i would be like my quality of life would be gone and here i am alive and you know i haven't been as healthy ever in my life 8 <laughs> years since the diagnosis <laughs> yeah i i wrote down what you said obstacles the obstacles are the signs i'm trying to i'm trying to process that as and stay completely present with you in your story but i'm thinking about my own kind of oh yeah i mean I do think people look for open doors and what you're yet what you're saying is that the obstacle is the sign yeah. you know that you know in oh is this the work that you do as a leadership coach oftentimes I do I do so one of the things that my clients face is that they don't speak up so they they are great at taking on more responsibilities doing a lot of work they are amazing problem solvers and yet when it comes to getting the recognition they might get awards they might get lip service from their bosses oh manalini what would i do without you i mean you you are you know you are my a a team player and all of that but when it came to promotion it's like yeah you know keep keep doing what you're doing right and you know in the next 6 months 1 year so they would dangle carrots right and and my clients are really frustrated <laughs> it's like i'm doing all the work why why am i not getting promoted so the one thing that i help them realize is that you know this is this is a cliched st- statement right work smarter not harder but nobody knows <laughs> what it means to work smarter <laughs> so simple thing is you don't have to take on more work you need to know how to position yourself you need to talk about all the work that you do what most women end up doing is you know they provide these beautiful reports beautiful powerpoint presentations and all the answers to the questions but they don't talk about all the you know hoops they had to jump through to get there so everybody feels like oh yeah great job manalini i mean i can always rely on you here 
I'm dumping more work on you. <laughs> right. So I, I really help them understand what is stopping them from speaking up. And as we get into the depth of that, then we realize all the obstacles, right? The conditioning that has happened, the culture, society, all the messages that, you know, all women have been absorbing. We help them become aware of it and then heal and then just use their authentic, authentic voice and not be afraid of speaking up and taking that spotlight on them. Were you surprised that women in our culture, that that was still, that that's such a need? Did you feel like that would be different than it was perhaps in Europe from India when you lived in India? You know, I, I, I used to feel that this might be just a South Asian problem or I, I work with women of color and also work with, you know, any woman who resonates with my message, whoever, who, who, who is feeling that they're not using their voice. I work with everyone. I was really shocked. You know, the first person that came to me and told me that I need, you know, more leadership training. She was a white woman and I was shocked. I was like, wow. I mean, you were brought up in a country which is, you know, in many ways more evolved, in so many ways not, because there still isn't a female president, which really makes me so mad. <laughs> I mean, India had a female prime minister and a country who has been free for the longest time. <laughs> And we still don't have a women president. So that speaks a lot about this country also. But I was expecting that, you know, you know, women of color would have more of that problem. But I'm realizing that even white women and some men also, for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, they, they have that challenge of not putting, not, not shining their light, light bright. I think that's true. I, I have interviewed thousands of people in my career. And typically women will come into the interview thinking about and talking about the 10% that they're not sure they can do of the job, the next job mm -hmm. where men will come in knowing only 40%, you know, yes. and, and they'll spend the whole interview talking about the 40% that they're like, yes. I, I can crush this because <laughs> of this. So there isn't Delta. Often. I'm not saying all men or, or all yeah. women are saying yeah. statistically yeah. speaking, women are, I do a little bit. I do believe it wired a little bit more towards, you know, what am I not instead of what am I? So I love the idea that you're moving about the world, getting women to talk about their strengths and their gifts as much as they're talking about maybe some of the perceived deficits they have for sure. So, yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's much, it's, it's much needed. Yeah, for sure. So, so you've had, you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to, I, I can't wait to talk to you again. I don't want to end this because I want, I also want to know two, two questions. One is what's the next shift for you? Like right now, I mean, you've made a lot of shifts so far and I'm just in awe of, and yet I know as you sit here, you said you're 48 years old. There's, there's something coming next. What is it? Do you know yet? <laughs> You know, my, my dream is to be able to really talk about childhood trauma. And I want to normalize talking about childhood trauma. And I want to do it on global stages. I feel like, I think we all have, no matter how much we do, how much we accomplish, there's always something else that we want to do. Because 
as we start exploring our potential, we realize that, you know, I, I can, you know, offer my help, my wisdom, you know, my experience and help someone else's life better. And I'm realizing that it's, it's an important subject to be shared with everybody, to be talked about. So my next shift that I'm looking forward to is to, you know, talk about these things, you know, how childhood trauma can hold us back from being ourselves. I mean, simple thing like, you know, if, if you are, you know, beaten as a child, right, as a child, you do not blame your parent, but the limiting belief that you internalize is that I must be so bad that my mom who is my caretaker, who is someone who loves me, has to take that drastic step of hitting me. So when I grow older, what do I grow up feeling? Not enough, right? I am bad. I'm not worthy. And that just shows up in the workplace too, right? If I'm not worthy, how can I ask for a higher salary? If I'm not worthy, how can I say no, right? I must just keep pleasing people. I, I must just take on more and more and more. So I think it's all connected. And I want to really make it, you know, loud and clear that, you know, childhood trauma is not acceptable. You know, like parents need to change how they raise their children. And those who have been raised by parents who were not as kind, that there is hope for them. Mm. <clears throat> Wow. Well, listen, I want you to have the biggest stage possible, whatever that is, because that message is definitely one that changes an entire community, a culture, right? Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Listen, I, as everyone can hear and you can see, I am such a fan of yours. I am so grateful to be introduced to you. And I'm just on the front row now, just cheering you on for whatever's next. So no, thank you so much, Tracy. You're so and thank welcome. you for having me here. You're so welcome. We'll we'll continue the conversation another day for sure. So sounds great. All right. I let's before we do break, so let's say this. How can people find you if they do want to learn more about you? We didn't even talk about your you have a book that is out in the book. You let's let's plug the book for a bit and anything else you want to plug. This is the time. <laughs> sure, sure. So people can find me at my website, www.unshackledcareerwoman.com. And they can find a way to connect me on that website. There's also free training that anyone can access. And I talk about how women hold themselves back by not speaking up. So, you know, anyone who's interested in, you know, being more impactful in the workplace can benefit from that. The book is called The One Thing That Changed Everything. This book is for anybody who wants to get inspired. This is a story of 20 women who have had, you know, different situations in their life and how they overcame that and how they are now, you know, living their life. They are free, they are happy, they are joyous, and they're just being themselves. And I'm one of the co-authors. So yeah, anybody who wants, who's feeling like, oh, my life is, you know, it's impossible for me to achieve anything great. Go ahead and buy that book and it will change your life. What was the one thing that you tell in the, as your story in that book? Oh, the one thing that I cha- that that changed everything for me was this real- realization that I matter. Mm. Yeah. Mm, you certainly do. 
All right, friend. We'll do it again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're still here, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate, and review, and then tell all your friends. I want to know what inspired you, what your big takeaways were, and I'm curious, what will you go do because of what you heard today? How will you shift out loud? Let's do it again soon. Thank you.